fat can turn into muscle. Brooke, I've gotten super fat. I'm a sumo wrestler. I'm ready to just whip this fat into shape and become a muscular bodybuilder. How am I going to do it? You're listening to the Vegans Who Lift podcast with John Thomas and Brooke Sellers. In each episode, our hosts get real about the world of competitive bodybuilding and answer your questions on several different topics. So here are your hosts, John Thomas, the bodybuilding vegan, and Brooke Sellers, Miss Meatless Muscle. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vegans Who Lift, your podcast brought to you by your favorite vegans out there. Brooke Sellers, a.k.a. Miss Meatless Muscle, and myself, John Thomas, a.k.a. The Bodybuilding Vegan. Today, we got some really good stuff for you guys. We got we got 20 of the biggest fitness myths around. So this is going to be educational. It's going to be fun. Um, we're going to really just dive into that. But first, we have our little, our little kind of initiation that we have at the beginning of every episode where we catch up we do our wins of the week we have a game you guys can play along at home too you know you can you can shout out your wins if you're driving on the way to work you can you can you can join in and then also too you can actually join in check out um our vegans who live podcast.org it's dot org right i i don't know i think you have to go to vegansexplore.com vegansexplore.com and then you you can you can put in your own little voice note and then we'll play it back during the episode so you can actually like be interactive with us anyways all right well since i butchered that but there's no editing here we're, we're just we're raw live rolling with it um uh, brooke what's what's a win for your week um so mine's pretty simple but this week you know i my training has just been awesome lately um i've been hitting PRs in every single movement, every single workout. Um, so I don't know if it's like, cause my guts finally healed. I think that's probably the biggest player here um, because it really just changes how you partition your nutrients. So I feel like now that my body's finally using all of my food properly, my training has just been insane. Um, so th that's always fun because really like the past year, uh, not that I ever, hate training or dislike it, but I had just kind of lost my oomph for it. Um, like it's always been the best part of my day. Like what I looked forward to the most and it was just the highlight of my day. And it really wasn't that for me anymore while I was going through my gut healing phase because I couldn't get a pump. My pumps were non-existent. Um, mostly I was losing strength and going down in weights and I just felt like crap. And you know, like you know, when you go to the gym sometimes and you're kind of under the weather, like you're getting over a cold and like, you just don't feel like yourself or I don't know. So I felt, I felt like that for a really long time. And so it's just like lately I've finally really enjoyed my training again and it's just been fun. And, you know, I've been, I've been killing it and it's just, it's awesome to have something that I love again, you know, cause, um, I love my training and I mean, it's my life. I love it. So that, that's been a huge win for me. How about you? Oh, well, I want to, I want to dive in a couple things. I know that some of our listeners, I mean, we are the vegans who live. They probably know, but some people might not know what a PR is. Oh so, yeah. Yeah. What's a PR? A uh, personal, record. personal <laughs> so. record. Okay. Okay. So for you, and then some people might not know this too, like 
are you tracking like a one rep max or sets and reps? Like, how do you determine, like, what was actually, what was your PR this week? If you're willing to share. Oh yeah. So my favorite, my, the one I'm most proud of was my bench press. I was doing 135 on incline incline. I'm like, what the fuck? Who am I? Um, okay. yeah, I was like, I was shocked. I couldn't even believe it. And I mean, the, the first set I did, I got 10 reps and then I got 10 reps again. The last set I could only get eight reps. So, you know what it, it is, what it is, but I'm still really proud of that because I mean, I've gone up like 20 pounds, um, very, very quickly in my bench. So that I'm like super proud of. Um, but like John was saying, I track by sets and reps. So I typically stay within a certain rep scheme. I don't do a lot of like the one rep max or, um, three, six, eight, I know a lot of people do that kind of style, but mostly I stick within like an eight to 12 range. Cause I mean, mostly I'm training for hypertrophy. High, high so, I mean, it's like, if I can get eight, awesome. You know, mm -hmm. like I'm proud of myself. If I can't get eight, I know I need to go down and wait. Um, and then if I can get 12 and it's easy, I'm like, no, we're going up. So that's kind of how I, I structure it. And yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a great couple weeks. Ah, yay. That makes me happy. Yeah. That's basically like, I'm not going to say bodybuilding because everybody's a bodybuilder, but like muscle building 101, eight to 12 reps. If it's under eight, it might be a little too heavy. If it's over 12, it might be a little too light. There's, there's some give and take, but that's a really good generalization for, for a beginner. Um, and I totally get what you mean. It's, it's fun to hit PRs. And what's funny is like on my journey and probably yours as well, there's different times for different PRs, whether it's different movements or like right now I tell myself I'm hitting PRs after my show because my, my strength dropped so much for my show that I kind of have to hit new PRs to get back to where my old PRs were. So like yesterday I hit a post show PR on um, pendulum squats, but it's not like a lifetime PR. So then you start breaking it down. But again, the more little goals you can have along the way, Maybe it's, maybe it's for you. It's a PR at 135. Maybe you had done 155 on bench before, but you had never done 135 for that many reps. So it's still like another way to keep yourself motivated. Speaking of 135, yeah. first time I tried to bench press, I did one rep. No, I didn't even do one rep. I got one rep stuck on top of me with 115. So for you guys out there, like for her to be doing 135 for double digits, that's pretty, that's pretty solid. Um, yeah. So. I, my upper body has responded really well. My lower body is still responding. I don't know what it is because I'm, I'm very lower body dominant, but I'm still working on getting my strength back. But I, I, I mean, I've been going up in everything, my legs too. It's just my, my lower body's just been a little bit slower, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. For my week, it was a busy week. I trained down in South Florida at Stuart and in Stuart at Revive Gym with my coach. That was like a win of that week. But I also launched my OnlyFans. That's a win. <laughs> I've launched my YouTube channel. That's a win. We launched the podcast. So whenever you're listening to this, the podcast officially came out a week prior to this. And Sean also redid my website. So it was a busy week. It's 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 a week that hasn't stopped. I told somebody yesterday that it was Thursday when it was Wednesday because it felt like it had been that many days. But anyways, uh, yeah, yeah, that was my one of the week. 
lots of exciting stuff for you. Um, I've always wanted to go to Revive Gym, so I'll have to do that sometime um, when I'm down that way because it seems really, really nice. And I, I love Revive Supplements. I don't ever buy them because Veg takes care of me, but they are super high quality and really good. I love True Nutrition. I'll always shout them out. I've used them for over a decade. However, if they're out of something, <clears throat> they're out of Yohimbine right now. Um, I would say Revive is a great alternative backup to keep around. Um, and it's kind of cool to be in the actual spot where it all started. And we should just do like a road trip. Like, come on down to Tampa. We'll do some training at MI40. We'll go to Revive Gym. Then we're going to head south and we're going to go check out Green Bites. We're going to check out that pizza place that Sean's been going to with like the pizzas bigger than this map on the wall behind me. Um, there's something else I wanted. Well, Becky, my my other friend, lives. she lives down there. She helps me run Athlicity. So there's a lot to do in Miami and Florida. Florida's just a big state. You know, like. Yeah. And there's a Legoland somewhere we'll have to hit up. Hell yeah. Legos. I I am. Did you see the, I think it's the ATAT, the like big four-legged Star Wars contraption? Yes. Episode five. Um yeah, I want to build that. Like, I really want to build that. Like, unreasonably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would keep it. I'd probably just, like, put it on my table. So. Yeah, I, yeah, I got a game for you this time. Oh, I like games, I think. Yeah. So, I got a game for you this time. And this is this is perfect. It's going to lead us into our topic today. Um, so, kind of the same style, the this or that but i have gym rat edition i feel like i i could probably if i was playing this for money if i could guess your answers i think i could do it oh my god <laughs> but, <laughs> but i'm curious to see what you'd say okay so ready ready okay leg day or arm day arm day oats or cream of rice cream of rice peanut butter or almond butter almond butter treadmill or bike mm. bike me too stringer or t-shirt stringer morning workout or evening workout evening stretching or foam rolling stretching free weights or machines machines Zero carbs or zero fats? Zero fats. <laughs> and lastly, waist trainer or trash bag sweatsuit? Waist trainer, because I actually have one. <laughs> Those were awesome. good. Yay, good. I'm glad you liked it. I thought it would be fitting, um, especially those last two. For yeah. Our today. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to run through them again in my head because some of them were really close and like it was like I'm yeah. thinking about them from different angles like peanut butter or almond butter like peanut butter tastes better yeah yep but I feel better about myself when I eat almond butter because I know it's healthier for you yeah so I'm kind <laughs> of like in this in this weird conundrum in my head it's same same with like the treadmill on the bike I was like I think the treadmill honestly like cranking up the incline and going really fast feels harder than the bike. So I do the bike when I'm a little more tired. So it's like, I don't know. There's there's so many ways. But like arm day, leg day, I feel more satisfied with myself after a good leg day. But nah, like if I could only do one until I died, I'd just have some really big arms and small legs. Like that would be me. Yeah, I so. knew you were going to pick that one. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, you guys play at home. See, see who knew where I was with these. These are good. Um, yeah, so that that does that's a great bridge. Actually, okay, so we got 20. Y'all stick around. We got 20 fitness myths that we're gonna bust. First, though, we were talking a little bit off air on this, and I'm I'm curious to get your feedback on air about caffeine because i think you and i are maybe at a little bit different points in our lives with caffeine i am admittedly an addict that just opened up hey ghost y'all should sponsor us mm. this sour pink lemonade and i think this is really the reason i want to talk about it because this is unintentional i literally grabbed this out of the fridge right before we started rio those of you that can't see the video i don't know what you're doing watching this somewhere else but I am dressed like strawberry lemonade. I got. Oh my gosh! Yes. So it's meant to be. I was like, should I get some caffeine before this? And this was the only thing left in my fridge. And I was like, yeah, that's a sign. Somebody wants me to have this. Um, You literally look like the strawberry lemonade can. They should. (laughs) They should sponsor me and the podcast. I'm just saying, Ghost. I've reached out to you 15 times on instagram and you don't get back to me but maybe this will be the the trick hey everybody just tag ghost with the bodybuilding vegan in all your <laughs> posts and we'll make it happen but um so this has about 200 milligrams i say about it has exactly 200 milligrams of natural caffeine from coffee that's interesting coffee beans but how much caffeine do you get a day and what's your justification or reasoning behind it So currently I'm not doing any caffeine. Um, I mean, occasionally I'll do green tea, which I think is like 75 milligrams or 50, something along that. Probably even less than that. I think on on mine it says 20 to 40, depending upon how you brew it. Okay. So, yeah, so I'm probably within that range. I usually do two bags if I'm going to do it, and I just add a little stevia. But, um, you know, I cut out caffeine – after going through my gut protocol, um, mostly because I, I mean, I kind of gave myself a stage three adrenal dysfunction, um, just from going through prep. Cause I was a total caffeine addict going through prep, but you know, it's just like, you kind of have to, you have no carbs. So that's kind of one way that you get through it and you give yourself energy, especially when you're doing two workouts per day. But I was bad. Like, I way, way, way overdid it. So I don't know how much you're doing. But, like, for example, I would get up in the morning and I would do about 300 milligrams, two scoops of my veg nutrition pre-workout, go to the gym, hit the stairs. Um, and I was taking the Yohimbine mm-hmm. as well, which also kind of, to me, has, like, a stimulant effect. So it was just um, – it was that. And then, like, you know, later I would um, – I would have another 300 milligrams, uh, going into, going into the gym. And, um, my coach also had me on these like fat loss pills that were basically they, all they were, were caffeine. So, I mean, I say they're fat loss pills, but it basically just jacks your heart rate up so you can burn more calories. And that was 300 milligrams. And I was doing like, at least like over a thousand milligrams a day. Um, you know, and then also just not having a lot of food. And, uh, just having all sorts of, you know, I mean, high intensity training, um, it helped me get through all of that, but man, was I burnt out afterwards. So, um, my first coach that I hired when I was going through my SIBO protocol, he had me remove caffeine completely. 
and it was really hard to do because I love it. Like I loved those ghost drinks. I would drink one of those almost every day. If I didn't have pre-workout, I'd have that. Um, and like coffee, I'd wake up and have a coffee every morning. Like that was the first thing I would have in the morning was coffee. <laughs> so it sucked. It was like the one thing that I didn't want to have to give up. But honestly, I have felt so much better since not having caffeine. Um, yeah. And if I do have caffeine now, it actually has the opposite effect with me. And it makes me more tired. So like sometimes I'll just get curious because I'm like, yeah, I really could use a little extra something today. So let me have a coffee. Or uh, sometimes I'll even try like a pre-workout or something. Um, and even if it's just like 150 milligrams, it, it makes me more tired. So I, I just stay away from it and I just, you know, only, only use it in special occasions. Like I love matcha. I'm a, I, I love matcha. So occasionally if I do have caffeine, like on the weekends, I, I love like a little matcha latte or something from Starbucks and, but that's pretty much it. And I mean, I, I've just, I've felt better since I I've taken it out. I feel like I have more energy, I sleep better and it works for me. I think you're probably doing the right thing. If it's working for you, it's the right thing. Oof. I'm feeling like maybe I should try like a week off and like document it. The first week is going to suck. Just so you know, Um, the first week is, is really, really hard. But then like, honestly, once you're like a month into it, you feel pretty good. Okay. All right. If y'all think I should do this, let me know. Drop it in the comments. If I should quit caffeine. I probably won't do it on my own accord, but if somebody else pressures me into it or if, like, the viewers want me to, then, all right, I'll suck it up. Because I'm be a great YouTube. Yeah, I think it would be. I document my suffering here. I think um, I'm probably over 1,000 milligrams a day on average. So, like, I don't ever do the ghost drinks on the days that I use pre-workout. So, like, today's a rest day for me. So me I'll too. Have but, like, yesterday I did have pre-workout and – I also typically, I'm getting really into the weeds here, but I make like a pot of coffee and I alternate between a decaf one and a full caffeinated one. Um, And Sean's asking if I get caffeine withdrawal headaches. I don't know, brother. I told myself back in 2021, I was going to quit caffeine after my show and it's now 2024. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So like, even yesterday was kind of a wake up call. Cause what I'll do is I'll, I'll drink the caffeinated coffee hot. I kind of like that. And then I'll make my little iced coffee blended thing with the decaf one. And so that way, if the decaf's cold the next day, then it works even well for the iced coffee, but I'm getting ready for the gym yesterday, making up my pre-workout and I look over at the coffee pot and there's no regular coffee left. Like I went through an entire pot <laughs> In like eight hours by myself. So I don't know. One of y'all can do the math out there. I know that's a lot of caffeine. I don't even want to know how much though. So yeah, I was just curious. And, uh, you know, props to you for doing the right thing and taking some time. It's off. hard. I mean, it's hard. Like the first week, um, like Sean said, I did have headaches. I totally had withdrawals. But one thing I noticed was that it wasn't actually the coffee that I liked so much. It was just like the the routine of getting up in the morning and having like a nice hot cup of something and just, you know, chilling out, like scrolling through my emails or like reading a book, like whatever it is. 
it was just like that whole experience. And then like when I replaced that with like an herbal tea, I know you love hibiscus. So I do mm -hmm. hibiscus. And to me, that's just as satisfying now. I actually like it more. Um, so I don't know. It's kind of like this mental thing, you know, and it's, I feel like people have these strong associations with, with caffeine. Like I know a lot of girls, like they go with their Starbucks together and then they go shopping and stuff like that. So like sometimes it's, it's not even really like the caffeine. It's just like the experience, like the mental, um, the mental aspect of it. Like, you know, just sitting down and having a nice cup of something. Yeah. See, like if I was just going to remove caffeine, I think I could handle, I think I would do decaf coffee all the time and then maybe, maybe like taper down and use like green tea instead of black coffee. And that would be another way to do it. But then if you told me, Hey, you got to cut out artificial sweeteners too. <laughs> oh man. Cause I could, I could have a Sprite zero instead of this. And that would be, it still kind of hit my, my sweet tooth, but not, not have the caffeine. But now I'm getting scared. I remember my coach made me cut out artificial sweeteners 10 days before my show. And I had had a case of these delivered that morning. And I was just like, this is, this is, this is bodybuilding, doing stuff you don't really want to do right now so that you can do better at things you really want to do later. And with that, let's, let's jump into these fitness myths. We got, we let's got 20 of them here. I don't know if we both need to cover them. So if one of us feels strongly, we can kind of cover it just in the essence of time. So, uh, jumping into it. First one, sweating burns more calories. Does it? Mm. Definitely not. This is definitely a myth. Um, mostly how much you sweat is going to be based off your genetics. Um, I'm a very sweaty person. I'll just put that out there. I sweat a ton, uh, during my workouts. I remember when I did group style training with my coach, like people would laugh at how much I was sweating. I don't know. It's just a genetic thing, but basically it's just your body. It's your body's survival mechanism for cooling you down. That's all it is. I think maybe this myth came up because there is um, some sort of mechanism where you do burn fat. And when you're burning fat, it is released through sweat. Um, but it's not necessarily like the more you sweat, the more you're going to burn fat. So that's why I asked John if he would rather have a trash sweatsuit because you see all these people on the elliptical or on the treadmill in these trash suits and they're trying to lose weight but it's all just water weight yeah actually i don't know if i ever used one but they, they're common in wrestling like yeah because you got to meet your weight right yeah so you can sweat more you're you're gonna lose weight yeah sure water and then you're gonna put it right back on as soon as you go rehydrate same thing with saunas. People are like, ooh, I'm going to go sit in the sauna and burn off all this fat. I'm like, no, nah, not really. Well, my heart rate increases. Yep, your heart rate does increase. Your heart rate does go up. Your heart beats faster. But your blood vessels dilate a lot, so it's not beating as hard. It's almost like it's like when you're on the bike and you change the speed or the resistance and you can pedal really fast, but you're not really doing more work. So um, saunas, trash suits, hoodies. None of that's going to make you actually burn more calories in the gym. Now, I will train with a hoodie. I do enjoy that for some reason. I think it kind of gives me like this little safe space. Not like even even when like I'm lean, like I'll still do it then because it I don't know, it, it feels like somewhat comforting and I, I I feel warmer. I feel like my joints are warmer. I don't know if that's true or not, but it's just all a mental thing. But it doesn't help me burn any more fat while I'm training. So Good, good one to put out there. A lot of people don't want to know that. And 
I sweat a lot too, kind of regardless. The hoodie actually <laughs> catches it so that it doesn't get all over the gym. So that works for me. Yeah. I like training in a hoodie too. Yeah. Yeah. Especially a one to save mini hoodie because it's easier to hit PRs when you're saving animals by wearing your hoodie. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to them. <laughs> all oh, right. Yeah. Moving on to number two. And I might forget the number here before we're done with this. But number two, waist trainers will make your waist small. Definitely not. Definitely not. Okay. Then why did I use one during prep? Hmm, I don't know. Why did you use one? <laughs> You're so good at this. So, well, I was sponsored by Squeeze Me Skinny, so I had to, you know, promote stuff whether or not it worked. No. So I, I only promote things that I, I truly genuinely believe in. And the waist trainer, I don't think it made my waist small. But during cardio – it encouraged me to breathe through my diaphragm because my waist was so constricted. It was hard to do like those yoga, like <sighs> deep belly breaths that they, they encourage you to do. And so I believe that by using the waist trainer, it kept me more mentally in check with my waist and also combined with dieting and actually vacuum practicing and other things allowed my waist to kind of come in more they also are really nice for back support. So when I'm driving, like if I got like a two hour drive, I'll wear them. My back feels better for some reason. So just things to consider there. But if your goal, if your if your goal is to make your waist small and you're not doing all the other things, I don't think the waist trainer is going to do anything for you. I think it's kind of a combined effect here, in my opinion. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. It's I think if you're if you're wanting, if you're thinking the waist trainer is going to literally like, I don't know, somehow evaporate the fat off of you. I don't know. Just think about it. It can't squeeze body fat off of you. Like, yeah. I don't know what, I don't know if that's what people assume. Um, but if it was as easy as just squeezing fat off of you, it, I mean, everybody would be doing it. We'd be walking around in clothes that are three times, clothes that are three times too small. So like, it just doesn't make sense. Um, but like John said, I do think there are some, maybe benefits if you want to say that like for example i think some people might see some sort of composition change because if you're lean enough you will sweat more because it's just it's right on your and this kind of goes back to what we just talked about which you're losing water weight right so it's not like you're losing fat but if you're eight percent body fat and you're you know about to be in a show you are going to see a difference if you're if you have less water weight so i do think like for a competitor um, it might help you get tighter in your waist. And also I think for some people it might help them with their eating cues. Um, if your belly's getting bigger while you're eating, it might give your brain that signal like, Hey, I'm full. Um, so you may eat less than you normally would because your belly stretched in trying to bust open this waist trainer, like a can of busted biscuits basically. So, um, I don't know. <laughs> That's a nice visual, isn't it? That's, I mean, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> to clarify, to clarify, I, I used a waist trainer from Squeeze Me Skinny and they have like, they're reinforced. I think they have like metal in them. So they're really like heavy duty. They're not like these like little yeah. sweat waist trainers that are made out of like Velcro and like those I think do nothing. Like, yeah, they help you sweat a little bit, just like the sauna suit. But they don't they don't help even train your waist. The the waist trainers, I, I agree, directly aren't gonna do much. I did wear it all day for a few days and 
I could actually tell which meals were bloating me mm. because I'd be like, oh, I need some extra room in this thing. And then if it was a meal that like really sat well with my stomach, I didn't feel the need to take it off or like adjust it. So implied benefits, but uh, waist trainers alone are not going to make your waist small. No, no. Yeah. Don't rely on it. All right. Number three, you have to change your workouts for muscle confusion. I love this one. <laughs> what I like to do is I'll do like 10 reps and then I'll be like three, 12, seven, one, 13. And I'll really confuse myself and I won't know how many reps I did so that my muscles don't know how many reps they did so that they grow extra strong. <laughs> I love it. I mean, essentially that's basically what people are saying. Um, it, I mean, it's just, it's just a little ridiculous, but um, you know, there's no way for you to measure progress and aim for weekly improvements if you're constantly changing your workouts. It's just, you're just, you know, basically doing an entirely new set of exercises, trying to figure out the appropriate amount of weight to start with every single time. And there's just no ob objective. You're just blindly throwing stuff at the wall and hoping it sticks. Um, it just, it doesn't work. You're better off incorporating progressive overload, which if, you know, anyone listening doesn't know what that is. It's just basically um, progressively getting better in the same exercises over time, whether that's weight, reps, or form. And uh, that's how me and John have, have both built our physiques. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a client who reached out and was like, well, I've lost weight this month. I've gotten stronger on every exercise. I feel like we're doing great, but I'm afraid that we're not going to build enough muscle unless we change up these workouts. So should we change the workouts? And I'm just like, you've had everything going right for you. Why would you change it? So to put that in a nutshell, I've had some clients and myself run the same training program for six to eight months without making a single change. And guess what? If you're adding weight or adding reps or adding time or intensity over those six to eight months, you're going to be making progress and that's how you grow. That's how you, and some people just get bored and they just want to change things up because they get bored. But as far as confusing the muscle so that it grows more, I don't know where this myth originated from, but it's so stupid. Yeah. Then you got people yeah. trying to do like a Bosu ball, single leg calf raise with a dumbbell oh in their God. left hand and a jump rope in their right hand. And it's like, what you're confusing me. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> right. And then they call it functional training. And I'm like, when the hell are you ever going to need to know how to do that? Like in the middle of an earthquake, like when you're trying to work out, I mean, it makes no sense, but I, I think of it like this is a, it, it's, honestly a way to make a whole lot of money off of people who don't know any better because these trainers they think well they create an environment where you're completely dependent on them and create this illusion of value because you're thinking that you need this person to constantly change your routines for you and I've even experienced this like I dated a guy who was an online coach and I asked him you know, why do you train? Why do you change their workouts every two, three weeks? And he told me, he's like, well, they're not going to pay me for another month if I just give them the same workouts. Um, and I know for a fact that people do this. Gyms do this. I know I've worked in gyms. Like I know for a fact that people will say, no, we have to change their workouts. So they keep coming back. Cause otherwise 
they're not going to keep coming back. They're just going to keep doing the same routine. But what I try to explain to my clients is you have to continually introduce a stimulus. And the most effective way to do that is to know what stimulus you introduced last week. And when I say stimulus, I basically mean weight. So if you're doing like, for just an example, a hundred pound leg press, you know, this week to create, to initiate muscle growth, you've got to introduce more stimulus. So that could be 110 pounds. That could be 120 pounds, whatever it is, but you've got to continue to, like we said, progressively overload the muscle to get that growth. So um, that's the most important part of it. And you know, I think even like minimum, like six, eight weeks is, is, is pretty solid. You can maybe even do four, just, I don't know, depending, but, um, I mean, the longer that you can keep the same exercises in and increase your strength, the better. I agree a hundred percent in my own infancy stages coaching, I would have a little tag on my, on my spreadsheet, like client program created January 1st need to update March 1st. And like March 1st, I'd go in, I'd change the reps a little bit or something like that. And I, exactly the same thing as your ex. I was like, well, I want them to know I'm so interested that I'm going to keep changing things for them. I'm going to keep making it fresh and new. Now, I don't do that at all. I encourage my clients to send me training footage so I can see exactly what they're doing. And then if something needs to be changed, we'll figure it out. And there's, there's a ton of different ways other than just sets and reps that you can progress your training. You can work on tempo. You can slow down the negatives. You could add a pause. You could add bands. You could should play with the rest periods. There's, there's so much you can do. So it doesn't have to be boring. But really, for me, it's, it's fun to make progress. Like you said, like if I go in and hit 135 today and I hadn't done that before, I'm going to feel real good about myself. It's hard for me. It's a mental, like I, I just trained out of town last weekend for three days in a row. And even though like I barely walked out of the gym each day, I still was like, huh, did I really go hard today? I have no clue. Cause this isn't like my normal machines, my normal weights. I don't, I don't know if this was like a PR for me. So yeah, enough with the, the muscle confusion guys. All right. So number Four. Number four. Wow, we're only at four. This is going to be fun. It's going to be a while. Ab workouts will burn body fat. Belly fat, sorry. Ab workouts will burn belly fat. No. Wrong. No? Wrong. Yeah. You can't target belly fat or fat in your body in any general sense you're you're you can't or you can't spot target like you can't train your arms because you got some bingo wings and you want to get rid of that you you can't <laughs> <laughs> sorry to anyone mom don't listen to this one um no i'm just kidding mom um oh god i'm gonna be killed for this yeah well, you're in trouble i'm in trouble mom i love you i'll give you a hug as soon as i see you this is an extra excuse for me to come visit you so um yeah, so you, you can't you can't use exercise to target body fat. Our bodies are pretty pretty cool through I don't know evolution. You know, uh, hopefully everybody believes that we've evolved over time to be efficient human beings. We uh, we store body fat in different places. So typically, like the last place your your body's going to want to give up body fat is abdominal region maybe hips, glutes, like that's the last crevice that your body wants to get rid of. You'll, you'll lose it in your face or your arms first, like more of your extremities. I mean, like we don't have a whole lot of fat stored in our fingers, right? Some people do, but most people don't. So 
when we're trying to lose fat and people are really concerned about their belly, unfortunately, you just kind of have to get there. You have to lose the fat on your arms, lose the fat on your legs. Then the fat will come off your belly. In most cases, you can use, we've been talking about it a lot this episode, Yohembine is a, a specific fat burner that can encourage your body to, to target more of those stubborn areas. But again, it's going to be a holistic, concerted effort. You're going to have to be losing body fat overall for that to work. And if you go do 5,000 crunches, you're not going to get a six-pack any faster than the guy that did 10 minutes of cardio to burn the same calories. You know, it's, it's, all, it's really a basically calories in, calories out, excluding any health or thyroid issues. Yeah, I think good I one. Covered. Okay. Um, I just wanted to add, yeah, spot reduction is a myth. I get these clients all the time who they're like, why don't I have any ab workouts? I need more ab workouts. I like, I have so much belly fat to lose. And it's like, well, you've got 40 pounds to lose, or maybe you even have just 20, but I mean, there's no reason to do a bunch of ab workouts. I mean, yes, let's strengthen your core, but you're not going to build a six. I mean, you're not going to show a six pack while you're still 20 pounds overweight. It's a matter of body fat. And I made a post about this yesterday with actual research showing this, where they've took, take people, several hundred people, and they put them on these um, abdominal workout programs for 12 weeks. And even with a healthy diet, they were not able to reduce their belly fat in a significant manner. They lost body fat, but it was over their entire body. So same thing with, um, they did a study and it was like a 12 week study where they only trained their non-dominant arm to see if they could lose fat in that one arm. They did lose fat, but it was over their entire body, not their arm. So I think people get so caught up in thinking, well, if I do this exercise, I'll lose body fat here. And that's just not the way it works. And you know, it's, it's once again, a kind of a cop out for diet nutrition is always king. Like you're, you're not going to get there without, without your nutrition being on point, even with, um, yo, is it, how do I say, is it yo himby or yo, yo himbine? So those are actually two different things. We're just going to add extra knowledge. To oh this my episode. gosh. Okay. So, Cause all the time, every time I say it one way, I yeah. always have someone correct me, but now it's two different things. So, okay. If you go to Africa and you search, Somewhere in Africa, you can find the Yohimbi tree. And it's a tree, and they use the bark from this tree to make Yohimbi. It's a, I think, an aphrodisiac is what they call it. It helps with sexual yeah. function. However, this bark from the tree is unable to be standardized. Like they haven't found a way to standardize it. So you might take one capsule from one company and it really works. And then you take one capsule from another company, you don't feel anything. And then you take one from another company or even from the same bottle. And it's just crazy strong, like too strong. Like you don't feel good. And it doesn't work super well for fat burning. Some people, some companies, some bad, some uninformed companies will put it in fat burners, but it's, it's, it's unstandardized. So it's really not something we can use. However, I believe it's synthetic. Yohimbine HCL. HCL stands for hydrochloride. I don't know what that means, but that's what it stands for. Yohimbine HCL is a fat burner that I've used for myself and for a lot of my clients. It's a it's a very common prep um, protocol that we can we can throw in there, and that will help target some of those stubborn belly fat areas. And it's Yohimbine HCL. So okay. Thank you for clarifying that because what time I went into GNC and I was like, hey, I need Yohimbine, and they're like. It's not Yohimba and <laughs> it's Yohimbi. And I'm just like, okay, well, whatever. And then I'm like, 
I need some Yohimbi. It's not Yohimbi. It's Yohimbi. And I'm like, well, what the hell is it? I mean, yeah. damn. Okay, good to know. But to my point, you can take Yohimbi, and if your diet and your training and everything else is shit, it's not going to make a difference. So, you know, make sure everything is in, in place if you want to lose body fat overall. Yeah, like I don't even take Yohimbine when I'm in a surplus because I'm not in a fat burning stage and Yohimbine enhances fat burning. So if you're not burning fat, it can't really enhance what's not already there. And what's hilarious is I've had like five clients do that. I say, hey, I've got everything I want you to get. I want you to order it from these links. But if you can't find it at those links or the links don't work for you, let me know. Because they come home from GNC with Yohimbi, and they're like, how do I use this? It's like way different dosage. And I'm like, I don't know, dude. <laughs> Try uh, ordering from the link, like I said. Or, you know, like I said, there's other places. Revive could could be a good spot for supplements as well. But, yeah, so good things to know. Just, we're really just getting out there. Um, let's go into the next one. I think we're on five. We're moving right along. Fat can turn into muscle. Brooke, I've gotten super fat. I'm a sumo wrestler. I'm ready to just whip this fat into shape and become a muscular <laughs> bodybuilder. How am I going to do it? Oh, my gosh. I That is so funny. It's impossible. But I get these DMs all the time. We're like, hey, how much are your services? I really want to turn my, my body fat into muscle. And I'll even have people ask me, like, how do I turn my body fat into muscle? But it's, it's physiological impossible. There are two different types of cells. Um, so it would basically be like trying to turn an apple into a banana. They just have different compounds. So the only thing that you could do is lose body fat and build muscle and muscle takes time. You can't just convert it, uh, you know, just from working out and nutrition, nutrition, whatever. Um, so yeah, it's just impossible. It can't be done. Yeah. To further along with that, we're not here to bash anybody. We are two experts in our fields, but we see some things that are a little bit funny to us sometimes. And it, it, it's funny because we've probably, because we've answered it over a hundred times each, that's a little bit of the funny or like, sometimes I'll go on like vegan fitness on Reddit and I'll, I'll just look and see what people are asking, see where they're at. And I saw some person like, and it, it's a little bit funny to me. It's probably not funny to them because they were serious. But they asked, they legitimately were asking, they're saying, Hey, you know, I want to get really muscular, but right now I'm really skinny. So I'm thinking that I should bulk and I'm like, okay, yeah, makes sense. Bulk. Yep. Okay. You're skinny. Okay. Bulk gain all the fat that I need. I'm like, gain all the fat you need and then start training and convert that fat into muscle. And I'm just like, what? This guy's going to bulk. <laughs> Before he even goes to the gym, that's not bulking, dude. You're just getting fat. What are you doing? So it's not, I mean, I guess it's common knowledge, but maybe it's not something that everyone inherently knows. Maybe they just thought because they've heard, oh, got to turn that fat into muscle. And what do you do? Like, what would I do if a client was overweight and they wanted to build muscle and lose the fat? There's something called recomping, which I don't want people to get hung up on. But if you're, if you're extremely overweight, you can at the same time, maybe not like the same moment, but like throughout the same day, burn fat while building muscle. It's much harder to do that as you become an experienced lifter. Like someone like myself isn't really going to have a great time recomping. Like I really need to pick a goal and move towards it. Do I either need to lose fat right now or build muscle? Because for me, building muscle takes so long. For like when you add your first pound of muscle, you can do that in a month. When you've already added 30, 40, 50 pounds to add another pound, it's really hard to convince your body to do that. So 
Um, I'm getting long-winded here, but yeah, you can't turn fat into muscle. Best thing to do, get in a caloric deficit, keep your protein high, and train so that you are burning the fat and still allowing your body the chance to build muscle as it goes. This is also why, man, I just got so much to say. Bulking is fun because you get to eat. But yeah. bulking done right, especially in naturals, is slow. Like if you're gaining more than a half a pound a week, you're probably gaining some fat. And half a pound a week, like how, how accurate is your scale? It's hard as hell to tell that. So like aiming even for two pounds a month, it's it's hard to dial that in. Whereas losing body fat, like you can go a percent of your body weight each week pretty healthily. So if you're a 200-pound man or 200-pound woman – you lose two pounds a week for a good while. And that's fast. That's eight pounds a month. That's 16 pounds in two months. That's 16 pounds is a lot. It might not sound like a lot because people do these little yo-yo diets and lose six or eight pounds. But if you lose 16 pounds of fat, you're going to look completely different. So cutting is a much faster process, a little bit more exciting, I would say. Whereas bulking, you kind of just got to go slow and stick with it for a while. But okay. So I am all over the place here. No, that was good though. Good info. Thanks. Thank you. We're giving out all this good advice. You know, if you guys are enjoying this advice, let us let us know in the comments below. Share this. Like this. Turn on your notifications. Subscribe. I say send it to your grandma, to your kids. <laughs> Alex, send it to your goats. They want to listen to us. I know they want to hear our voices. <laughs> um, Alex runs a animal sanctuary and he has goats. But actually, he has geese too. I tried to call him the other day and I'm just like... Hey, yeah, so like we're gonna do this fundraiser right here. Like, murk, 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 murk. and I'm like, what the, <laughs> the hell is that alarm? He's like, no, that's my goose. I'm like, what? He's like, he's really excited to see me. I haven't been home all day, so he's like honking a lot. And I was like, dude, like I love you, but my headphones are destroying my ears because of that thing. And I'm, <laughs> I'm an animal liker. I don't eat animals. I don't kill animals, but I'm not an animal lover. I don't need to hear this goose right now. So we're gonna have to do something else. And, <laughs> ended up putting it back in its goose spot and we had a conversation but i hope he listens to this i'm gonna send him this one but okay that's hilarious my random side notes okay number six moving right along carbs are evil they're of the devil carbs oh, horrible those damn carbs those damn i carbs. love this one too i love this carbs is, i well i love carbs yeah and i mean i i think the important thing with carbohydrates is if you're training, if you're eating in a deficit, a maintenance, or you're just controlling your portions, you know, even if in your, if you're in a bulk, carbs can serve you. They're certainly not bad. They're certainly not going to hurt you. But I think people think of carbs in a bad way because they think of stuff like pizza and ice cream and cookies when it comes to carbs. But there's also really good carbs like sweet potatoes and um, rice and quinoa that are really beneficial and provide a lot of health benefits. So those are the carbs that you want. And uh, the other carbs are the ones that you need to have in moderation. But if you have more muscle, you know, the more muscle you have, the more carbohydrates are going to help you. Like John has a ton of freaking muscle. So he can eat a ton of freaking carbs. He has like, don't you have like, I mean, what are, what is your carbohydrates in grams? <laughs> Um, well, we are still coming out of my show, so they're not as high as I would like them to be, but right now on a training day, we're at 450 on a one, once a week, I get a higher day of 750, but to put this in perspective, I'm pretty sure at like my all time highest bulk, I was doing like 750 to 800 every day. 
Damn, every, that's awesome. Yeah. And, I'm at 140, but I'm in a I'm in a cut right now. But um yeah, it, I like to think of it kind of like a suitcase, like your muscles are are the suitcase and um when oh. you have a lot of muscle you can fill those suitcases with the carbohydrates and they're put to use and you can go to the gym and you can train with them. But if you don't have all that muscle, then, you know, you don't really have a lot to use those carbohydrates for. So that's when you get into trouble when you're super sedentary, you don't train um, and you're overeating is, is when you can run into trouble. But otherwise carbs are necessary. They're so important for performance. We're going to make this 21 myths. No carbs after 8 p.m. Right? Oh man, we should have done that one. <laughs> well, we just did. So hey, y'all got a freebie. This is like blackjack. We hit twenty-one. Um, yeah, that's a total myth too. Like you can, there, there's something called like carb backloading, where let's say you're gonna train fasted at eight a.m. Well, then if you're up till eleven, have a big carb meal at eleven. One, it's gonna help you sleep. Not so much that you like feel uncomfortable, but it, carbs will help make you feel a little sleepy. And then your body doesn't just like magically go, Oh shit, it's eight o'clock turning all this to fat now. <laughs> like, you know, if you had had this at seven fifty nine, you would have been great. But now we're at eight Oh one. Nope. You're just turning into a fat one. Um, Damn it. Yeah. Dang. I should have set my alarm sooner. That's why I'm so <laughs> fat. I had my carbs at eight Oh three. No. Um, timing is somewhat important. I would say, if you're really getting into the weeds, if you want to be a bodybuilder and get really into this, have some carbs around. And if you can during your training, now I don't mean like go eat an apple while you're training, but like some intra workout carbs. We'll get into that another time. But otherwise, meal timing is it, it's really not that big of a deal. Think of it like a 24 hour clock somewhere in there. And even I, when I have clients that do shift work, it's like just your day starts when you wake up and it ends when you go to sleep. Like, don't make it too complicated. Carbs getting a bad rap over, over the years, different things have gotten bad raps for different reasons. The reason I think that people think carbs are bad is because people have had success doing low carb diets so that they think, Oh, well now high carbs must be bad because low carbs works. No low carbs works because you're almost removing an entire macronutrient group. So it's, it's a little bit harder to get fat only eating proteins and fats. Can it be done? Yes, but it's a little bit harder. So carbs are, I would say, the opposite of evil. In fact, if you had to tell me to pick a single food to eat the rest of my life, it'd be some sort of potato. And those are mostly carbs. Yeah. They also have some vitamins and minerals and stuff. But we're humans. We're built to run on carbs. If you go look at other like animals, like cats, they're not really built to run on carbs. They're not out there grazing on rice. They, they're better suited eating proteins and really eating fats. Humans... We do really, really well with carbs. Our brains run on carbs. That's why you get like brain fog if you don't eat enough carbs. How about getting pumps in the gym? You ain't going to get pumps in the gym if you got no carbs. It's like your suitcase. You want to fill that suitcase out. Well, there you go. Um, what else? Carbs are the easiest for us to process. So if you're looking for like a little bit of energy before the gym, a banana might be a great option for you because it's just carbs. You go eat something like think even like a healthy fat like an avocado not you know both are great foods but the avocado is going to be a little bit harder to digest 
all carbs great are also anabolic as well. Like everybody thinks protein's great, which it is, but carbs raise your insulin and insulin helps to build muscle. So there's just a number of reasons that carbs are great. Don't overdo them or yeah, you'll get fat. Sure. And also too, I'm, I'm, I'm almost done and then I will shut up. Not really. We still got another hour, uh, <laughs> but carbs are often like demonized like white rice. It's so hopefully that's not one of ours, but like white rice is horrible. Oh my God. It's, it's, you know, it's a bad carb source. You should eat brown rice cause it has the fiber really like at the end of the day. So especially if you're bulking really hard and you're like one of my athletes that needs like 6,000 calories a day, we're not going to be able to do that all on whole foods. Like we are going to have to have some carbs. So something like white rice, it's not inherently bad. There's nothing bad in it. It's not fried. So it's not going to hurt you, but it's also not full of vitamins and minerals. So it's not really going to help you from a overall nutrition standpoint, but it will help you get extra energy, extra calories, which will help with the bulk. So carbs are not evil. They have their place. You're probably not having a whole lot of fun if you live in keto land. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, one, one last thing I wanted to add, um, just like, and also like John said, I put all of my clients with digestive issues on white rice because it's much easier to digest and there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with it. And you got to think about all these Asian countries, all they eat is white rice and they're some of the most slender people in the world. Their obesity rates are almost non-existent. Um, so it's, it's not bad, especially a lot of vegans have a lot of digestive issues because of all the whole foods they're consuming. So even just switching out one carbohydrate for white rice could really benefit you. Um, and studies have shown that going low carb can increase cortisol in women. Um, cortisol, your stress hormone can keep you from losing fat. It, it really can, um, because it lowers testosterone. It's one of the only hormones that is actually catabolic. And by catabolic, I mean, it can actually eat your muscle away. So it's like John said, carbohydrates, humans were built to run on carbohydrates. They're our main source of energy. So if you take away our main source of energy, our body's going to be in a stressed out state. So it raises cortisol and that can cause all sorts of issues. So carbohydrates, anything but evil. They're the hero for sure. Yeah. Might go get me some Sour Patch Kids. Yeah. Um, have you seen the Blue-Eyed Samurai on Netflix? I have not, but I saw it on your story last night. I'm actually really digging this show. It's, did you ever watch Avatar The Last Airbender? I did not. Well, I've heard that's a very good show. I've watched a few episodes of Avatar The Last Airbender. And it's the Blue-Eyed Samurai is kind of like that, but for adults. It's a bit more graphic. There's actually like full frontal nudity on these cartoon characters. Not that <laughs> that's why I watch it. That's not, you know, that's not my thing. Or maybe it is. I don't know. But the storyline is good, and it's interesting. It's about um, – Netflix. I'm just plugging you. You guys should sponsor us. It's about Japan. I think in the 16 or 1700s, back when there still were samurai. And I don't know if this is fact or fiction. I'm leading towards the somebody. Let me know. Somebody do the research because I, I was too lazy to do it. But Japan like outlawed white people, and it was hmm. it was like of their like protecting their nation. They didn't want any mixed race children, so. Like they pretty much exiled, if I'm correct. And, and this could all just be a cartoon and I'm completely wrong here. So like, please don't take offense if I'm wrong. But I, I, I think it, it kind of makes sense. So like they were trying to protect like their, their culture, their identity. So they removed everybody that wasn't white. And why am I talking about this on Vegans Who Lift? Well, they were like, oh my gosh, there's a white person. I heard that they drink milk from other mammals. Oh and my God, I love it. I was like, 
okay, so I'm not the only person that thinks that's weird. Like, I'm not out there drinking milk from my dog or from your mouse or from Alex's goats. I'm not doing it. But white people, we do. And then why am I tying this in? <laughs> Asian countries eat a lot of rice, not as much meat. They do a lot of moving around on their feet. They don't they don't sit in cars and offices quite, I guess, as much as we do here. And their heart attack rates, their cancer rates, they're all significantly lower. But don't forget, you know, white rice is evil. So I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. And then also a lot of Asian people are lactose intolerant. So tied it back into that show. Anyways. Very I, interesting. I, I'm going to do some research, but one of y'all could do the research for me and just let me know if I'm right or <laughs> if I got it right. I'll do it for you. Okay. Well. I didn't mean you, but thank you, Brooke. Um, that's why we have you on. <laughs> I love research. Uh, you do. You do a good job of that. Uh, guys, you know, I'll be honest. Like, I don't post as much food or, like, scientifically backed stuff. I'm more like, hey, I banged my head against the wall for 15 years. This way worked for me. You guys could try it out. <laughs> and Brooke, like, I got 15 studies with citations and everything. It's, like, legit. And I've banged my head against the wall for years and figured it out. So if you guys want like legit information that you can share with your friends that it's scientifically bad, go, go follow Miss Meatless Muscle. What are you doing? All right. Number seven, lifting heavier weights will make you bulky. I can tell you this is a myth. I ain't bulky yet. And I lift as heavy as fucking possible. So yeah, I, you might've meant this more for women because most yeah. guys want to be bulky, but yeah, ladies, you, yeah, you're going to like not take drugs. You're going to go touch a dumbbell one time with your left pinky and you're going to be bigger than me. And you're going to grow facial hair. Watch it. It's going to happen. <laughs> it's so funny. I know because like we work our whole lives to build the, the muscle that we have. And then these people are scared to just go do a bicep curl a few times here and there a month. It's so funny. Yeah. But there, it's just it the, the way I think just people underestimate what it takes to build muscle is truly what it is. And it, it takes years and years and years. It takes, um, you know, good sleep. It takes, um, proper nutrition. Um, so it's just, there's, there's no way you're just going to wake up one morning and suddenly be more muscular than you wanted to be. It's not going to happen. <laughs> it's almost like me being like, well, you know, I, I don't want to go get on this bicycle here. Cause I'm afraid I'm going to win the tour de France. Like, Exactly. It's, you're comparing yourself to people that literally die trying to become the best bodybuilders out there. If it was that easy. I mean, ladies, prove me wrong. Go accidentally build too much muscle and you know how we'll fix it? You'll just train a little bit less. But it ain't going to happen. What's going to happen? You're going to try it. You're going to get addicted and it's going to be slow as hell. And then over the course of the next five or 10 years, you'll become a gym rat and you'll build some muscle. You'll never be as big as you want to be, but you'll be bigger than you thought you were. And then maybe you'll go back and you'll look at the photos and you'll be like, oh, I did get too muscular, but it's probably not going to happen. Probably not. Very unlikely. You're, you're going to build more curves and love your shape. I mean, that's, that's just what happens is women get more feminine with weightlifting. If you think you're going to end up looking like one of these, I think they think they're going to look like, you know, I don't know, Mrs. Olympia. I'm talking like in women's physique or women's bodybuilding. And those women are on probably more drugs than most of the guys in the gym. So you're not, you're not going to just wake up and look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. It, it takes so, so many years to build good quality muscle. I've been having that dream for 15 years. It still hasn't happened. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> 
Arnold's freaking cool, man. I, we could have a whole podcast. Oh, love him. Um, and y'all are like, Arnold's not vegan. Why? How can you love him? Well, you know what? Arnold can reach like 3 million, probably more than that, probably like 10 million people and convince half of them to give up meat on Mondays and do more than I've done in my entire life. So just a little, what he's got in his pinky finger, he can, he can change the world. So, and, and he is leaning towards that. He's, he's, he's leaning into the plant-based movement at least. And you know what too? I'm really excited to get Robert's book. The, the, what is it? The, the, the impactful. Yeah, the impactful, the impactful. The impactful vegan to find out how we can be effective with our outreach because maybe we are more effective getting everybody to go halfway than getting one percent of the people to go all the way so other things to think about Good point. Know, we are probably talking to a mostly vegan audience here though all right number eight feeling sore after a workout means it was effective not always um it does mean you had got a good workout but like for me and John, we're pretty advanced. And I mean, realistically, John, how often do you get sore after a workout? Every time. Do That's really? not the answer you were looking for, but usually, yeah. I mean, now granted, there's like ranges. There's like, holy shit, I literally fell on the toilet the other day. It's supposed to be the other way, like, oh, I can't get up. But like, I, I fell onto it after a leg day. There's that. And then there's like, okay, I'm really sore today. I'm like really sore, but I did my regular leg day yesterday. So it makes sense that I'm really sore today, but I'm not like literally falling over sore. Now, if I go do something completely different, if I confuse my muscles, then I get extra sore. And I, I think that we can tie those in together. Um, what Brooke was, I believe getting into not to take the words from her. If you stick to the same program for a while, your muscles do somewhat get used to it. And and I don't think it's so much that they get used to the intensity or the weight lifted, but more of the movement itself. And if you train in a new range of motion, that can be a complete game changer. Like for example, side note, my brother is a gymnastics instructor and they would, they would do calf raises like every day after class or something like 200 calf raises, just standing on the floor. One day he tried them on a, on a, like on the steps so that he could get an extra stretch. And funny enough, I just talked to my coach and he said that some studies have come back that the, the most effective training for calves is the stretched portion. The flexing at the top that everybody focuses on doesn't really matter. It's that stretch. And my brother did the 200 calf raises with the stretch. He literally couldn't walk for three days. Like literally was crawling on the floor. And I've done that before in the gym too. When I slowed down my calf raises, stopped bouncing off the ground like a, a rabbit and actually started training my calves. So, yes, you can confuse your muscles and get really sore, but feeling sore doesn't necessarily mean you did anything conducive to building muscle. It just means you did something new, in my in my opinion. Um, I will let you give your side. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just thinking, you know, I think, if you didn't feel sore after a workout, it doesn't mean that you didn't push yourself hard enough or didn't create some sort of stimulus because you can absolutely have a very effective workout without being ungodly sore. There are maybe just a few times a year where I'm that sore, where I can't walk upstairs or, you know, I can't sit on the toilet or whatever it is. Um, I, you know, I am like a little bit sore today from my workout yesterday and I do experience some soreness like, probably every week on a weekly basis, but 
being like that sore where I can't even walk around, that just rarely happens to me unless, like John said, I do something just absolutely crazy out of the ordinary, you know? Um, but it doesn't mean that you had a bad workout and it's almost kind of like a junkie. Like this is a terrible example, but like a heroin junkie, it's like always chasing that high. They had the first time, but they can't quite get there. That first time that you work out or, or hit your legs really hard, you may not feel that for, for a very long time until maybe like six months down the road, you change your training and you know, whatever, but um, you still, still can have a really good workout and still get a good stimulus. A hundred percent. I think too, a couple other things that I thought while you were speaking, if you're like a, a power lifter or training for, for strength and doing like sets of three to five reps, there's not as much like metabolic action. That's going to, you're, you're going to push really hard mentally, but like physically, yeah, even if you're, if you're doing a hard five reps, you're, you're going to physically work a lot, but it's not going to like build up that lactic acid quite as much and lead to that long-term DOMS is what it's called delayed onset muscle soreness. So like for myself, if I really wanted to, today's my rest day, but let's say yesterday on legs, I really wanted to be sore today. What would I do? If you know, I am a masochist and just like, I think that's the word. And I, I just really want to be sore. I'd do something really high rep. Like John Meadows used to say, like you could add an intensifier to your leg day and go do 40 reps on the leg press. I'd probably do something like 40 reps on the leg press, but I'd also make sure they're extremely deep reps, like maybe deeper than I normally go still like a safe range of motion, maybe slow down the negatives and then do like a drop set. So just finding all these little intensifiers that are a little bit different than what I normally do. That's almost a recipe for success to get sore the next day. But what else would be a recipe for success? Probably going on like a 200 mile bike ride. I'd be sore the next day, but did I build any muscle? Probably not. Like I remember as a kid, like I had 65 pounds of weights at home and I mapped out like a quarter mile and I just did lunges until I hit a mile. It was like something like ridiculous, like 600, 700 reps each leg. You think I got any stronger? No, I probably just dug myself a little hole where I needed to eat more food because I was dumb and didn't know what I was doing. I was just, I, I was, I don't even know if I got sore from that, but you, you get them like, that's a great soreness, point. Yeah. Soreness isn't, isn't a track. Like if you, if you're like, man, I haven't been sore in three weeks. And I say, well, what's your logbook say? Well, I've hit a PR every time I've gone to the gym. Keep doing it. Keep doing it, dude. Not a problem. Okay. Keeping this moving. I think that was, was that eight? We'll say it was Gosh, eight. I, I, I don't, don't even know, know where we're at now. <laughs> All right. Um, eating fat will make you fat. Another myth. Um, I don't know where this originated, but you know, there's always that, like you talked about earlier, that culprit, is it fat? Is it sugar? Is it salt? Is it carbs? And like for a while there, people thought it was fat. So all this low fat food came out, no fat, zero grams fat. Um, and you know, just like with carbs, there are fats that you should stay away from, like the fats in cookies, the fats in cakes. Like, of course, if you overeat those things, they're going to make you fat. Um, but fats are essential for hormone health. Uh, they're essential for so many different bodily functions. Um, and it, it's one of the essential nutrients. So can't live without fat or you might run into some serious issues and stuff like avocado, nuts, seeds, almond butters, um, all of that's really healthy fat and it's, it's good for your body. You need fat. I agree with everything you said. That was number nine. I just counted eating fat will make you fat. It's a total myth. And I believe it was either, ah, maybe like 70s, 80s. It was before our time. 
I think so. Time, where the government, I believe it was the government, either government or advertisers went on this like anti-fat diet, like, oh, we got to remove fats. And so what did they do? They took out fats, typically replaced it with more carbs and processed carbs and sugars. And it didn't work. We didn't get less fat in the United States. So there's been this war on fat. Oh, you need low fats, this, low fats, that. Now, there are some aspects of that that can be twisted and like thought of the somewhat work like in an extreme bodybuilding sense. Fat is something I'm going to keep a little bit lower with my clients and we'll push the carbs higher for performance and protein higher for muscle, but fats aren't bad for you and eating fat in and of itself will make it fat. What I will say here, if you are going out to eat, fat is harder to visualize. When you look at your plate of food that comes out, and let's just make it real simple. You're at an Asian restaurant. you got a ton of white rice. Did they add fat to it? One, it's hard to see. You can probably taste it, but you got no idea. You can eyeball how much rice that is based on the rice you've cooked at home, but you don't know if they put one tablespoon, 135 calories, two tablespoons, 270 calories, three tablespoons, four tablespoons of fat in there. You have no idea. So when you're eating out, fat can be kind of that hidden thing that, that restaurants will add because it tastes great and it's easy to eat. So there are some reasons why you want to be like mindful of fat, but like don't eliminate it. You're just going to fuck up your hormones. And like Brooke said, eating eating some of the healthier ones is, is really important. I program avocados into pretty much every single client's meal plan, uh, almond butter, if you're if you're bulking and you need a lot of fat, macadamia nut oil is something I've been using lately. There's a lot of options out there. But yeah, eating fat won't make you fat. Eating too many calories day in and day out, that'll make you fat. All right. Number 10. Protein hurts your kidneys. Mm, this is my favorite one. Now, this is actually phrased in a way that it's like a, a sort of myth. Protein actually does hurt your kidneys if you have CKD, chronic kidney disease. But did protein get you there? No, it did not. Um, there's not been any conclusive studies showing even people eating like three to 400 grams of protein a day that eating that protein caused a decline in kidney function. Now, however, if you have done something else to cause your kidney function to decline, like smoking, high blood pressure, being overweight, if you've done those things and then your kidney function has been permanently impacted and then you eat a high protein diet on top of that, it's harder for your kidneys that are now damaged to process that protein and it can cause further damage. So doctors will put people that have been diagnosed with kidney disease on a low protein diet. But then those same doctors will tell a perfectly healthy man or woman, Hey, don't eat too much protein. It's going to mess up your kidneys. It's like, no, it's only when your kidneys are already pretty much beyond repair so that was my spiel but you feel free to add on yeah i i'm i get so much heat for this on instagram anytime i post anything high protein i always get the like protein karens who are like oh my gosh you shouldn't eat that much protein it's bad on your kidneys people don't need that much protein and it's like john said so many studies have shown that if you do have some sort of renal disease you do have to be careful with your protein but also, um, if you're sedentary, if you're not training, 
then maybe you don't need all of that protein. But people who are active, which I, I think is most of our followers and the people that we are creating our content for, you do need protein. You need protein for recovery. You need protein to build. You're very active. You're actively destroying and tearing down your muscles. So you need protein to help build that back. But um, it, it is a myth that protein in and of itself will harm your kidneys and there is research, and I don't know if I could link it here or whatever. I need to make another post about this, but there is research that shows I just read it before this podcast because I wanted to be well informed. Um, that there is a huge distinction in the occurrence of CKD, chronic kidney disease, with animal protein versus plant protein. Significant. And that plant protein is more favorable in any scenario. Um, and even, uh, you know, like certain issues where, um, high blood pressure and diabetes, which are the two main risk factors for kidney failure, these diets, they promote less animal products and more plant protein. So, um, you know, a, a higher intake of plant protein, isn't necessarily going to cause the same negative effects that an animal based diet would. So that's something to note too. So if you're a vegan, you have even less to worry about with your protein. Um, and your protein isn't coming with all of the other things that are that are harmful, like saturated fat, you know, et cetera, or whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I could link that somehow here, Sean, but I think that would be super helpful for our listeners, or maybe I'll just make a post about it because it was really interesting. I would love to see this. I would love to have extra ammo in my my tank. Um, yeah, please let me know. That that makes sense. Let's make our post together. Cool. Yeah. All right. Yes, you know, we'll make it together, even though you did all the work and found it all and everything. <laughs> sure, we'll make it together. Um, I'll just put my well, name your followers, it. your followers need to see it, too, because I see people in your comments saying the same things. And it's just it's ridiculous. Even registered dietitians yeah. and doctors and people that just that, that, that blows my mind. Oh, man. Um, it's like we can't win, you know, because first we had to fight. And show all these people that, hey, vegans can get protein because they didn't think we could get protein. And then we get protein and they're like, man, it's bad for your kidneys. It's like, dude, it's you're smoking something. cigarettes and eating an extra large pizza every Friday night and you're about 200 pounds overweight. Extra protein ain't what you need to be worried about. Anyways, I'm not trying to be negative. It's just I've been met with so much resistance here that it's – um. It kind of wears you down after a little while, but we'll, we'll keep fighting and Brooke will keep bringing the, the studies because I can, I was going to say, I can just keep, keep spouting off from my mouth, but maybe they'll listen to you. Um, I don't know. I don't know where I'm at guys. Give me a break here. I'm doing my best. I'm actually just excited for the next one. 11 steroids are magic pills. Mm, that's a good one too. And I think so relevant for, for nowadays, because I feel like there are more people on steroids than ever. And it's not even people who are competing. I'm not talking about people. I'm just talking about like everyday people in the gym. Um, you see these guys like, uh, is it Sam Ulick mm -hmm. who, who's so popular right now? I mean, that guy's clearly on a whole bunch of stuff and you have all these kids who look up to him. Like I see these high schoolers wearing like Sam Ulick shirts at the gym. I'm just like, gosh, like this guy has no idea how many people he's influencing and I, I think so – and, like, this kind of goes into the whole thing that we've been talking about with all of these, like, little gimmicks. Steroids, in a way, is the same way. Like, if your training sucks, if your nutrition sucks, 
I think it's a lot easier for people to say, oh, well, look at this guy and look at this girl. They're taking this and it worked for them. So maybe it'll work for me. But that's not necessarily the case. They're also training their ass off and they are, their nutrition is on point. They may be a genetic freak. So they add a little bit of something here and there, and then it accelerates the process. But that's what people don't understand is that performance enhancing drugs, they facilitate a process that's already happening. They don't create the process. There are so many guys in the gym who look like shit and are on tons of stuff. Like, Honestly, you guys, most of the people in your local gym are probably on a bunch of stuff and they look what? like shit. Of the male population, what of percentage do you think of the males at a local gym are on some type of performance enhancing drug or steroid? What percentage do you guess? Personally, if I had to guess this, and this is just my local gym, which is not like, like a, a plant crunch? fitness. It's kind of like an LA fitness, if you will. Okay. Um I would say 50%. It might be a little bit high. I mean, I train at a bodybuilder-specific gym, and I would agree with that number. I would agree with that number all day there. Um, I'd say, and I'm just, you know, we train at different gyms. I don't know your gym. I don't know what the people look like. I would say probably somewhere around, like, 20%. Like, one in every five. And Yeah, I would say that at Crunch, for sure. Like when I was starting out, I was thinking maybe one in a hundred guys at the gym use steroids. And now it's like, nope, there's just a ton of guys that use them, but they don't diet. They don't sleep. They don't train very hard, but they can stick a needle in their butt. And, and, but you wouldn't ever know. I mean, I've had a client come to me that was 350 pounds. He drove a semi truck and he had been on gear for 12 months straight, including trend. And I said, when do you work out and what's your cardio schedule like? He's like, I haven't worked out in a year since I got this job. I'm like, what? So there's people that don't even go to the gym that take drugs. So just, yeah, um, steroids aren't magic pills. If you're not already making progress, outside of somebody that has like a true like hormonal issue, like low testosterone, adding drugs to the mix ain't going to fix anything. It's just going to pop up more side effects it might give you a little bit of progress. It might be a Band-Aid. It might, you know, like a bad night's sleep and you're taking steroids. Okay, you can push through the next day. Or maybe you didn't eat perfect that day. Okay, you can push through the next day. But eventually that Band-Aid is going to rip and you probably – or you don't really know how to train. So you get – you do get pretty strong pretty fast if you take the right drugs. So you don't know how to train and you go in and you just get injured. And now you're one step forward to take four steps back. So, yeah. I do want to hit on – you kind of hit my heart with the Sam Ulick thing. Like, I don't think you were taking a shot at him. Um, I think you were oh, saying no. we need to no. be careful because people look up to us. But, like, he's around the same age that I think Arnold was when Arnold won his first either Mr. Universe or Olympia. Like, similar age. Arnold just didn't have social media back then. And Sam is definitely a social media icon. I think he's, like, around 3 million subscribers right now, which is freaking nuts. I don't know what he runs gear-wise. I haven't talked to him. But – I would imagine it's not that crazy. Uh, what I've seen, and now we're really getting into the weeds of like professional bodybuilding. So maybe you guys like this, maybe you don't. I talk to a lot of pros. I'm surrounded by pros. I've delved into this side, even like top 10 in the world pros. And what I've seen is they have the genetics for this sport. And that means two, 
a few things. They have the muscle insertions, of course. They have the right mindset and drive, of course. They also have the response to drugs that allows them to do the sport at a high level without killing themselves with the drugs. They take what I would consider a moderate or reasonable dosage. I'm not going to throw that out here on this podcast, but they take moderate or reasonable. I'm just going to leave it at that. Then you have guys that don't quite have the genetics, but they just really want to win and they're really, they really want to be a bodybuilder, but they're not, they're not, they're not built for it. And they do four five, six times that moderate dosage to do okay at like local shows. And that's yeah. the difference. Like the, the top people, Sam probably included in that. They're locked in on everything else. And yes, they need the drugs to get there. Like Ronnie Coleman turned or he 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 competed in the Olympias, did claims as a natural his first year, and he took 15th. It was I at that it. It was at that point in time, 15th in the world without drugs, supposedly. And then his girlfriend at the time said, fuck this. You're going to do what I do. You're going to win. And then he went from 15th to first in a year. Now, that is a big jump. <laughs> that is a real yeah. big jump. Most people that get on the Olympia stage don't win. And so, again, it, it shows that, like, he had the genetics for building muscle and to respond to the gear. So, and his doses weren't that high from what i have heard from people that knew him so i mean i don't i don't know i don't follow these people around 24 7 they could all be lying maybe all of them are but what i've noticed is the people that advocate for lower usage just seem to be better responders now we're really getting into this so probably time for the next it can be done um i I, there's there's several olympians who claim to be natural like you said we don't follow these people around but um especially in women's divisions like i mean sid gillian is is acclaimed natural she claims that she's been a natural athlete she's run track since she was like nine um and she's kicking everybody's ass for like seven years now and figure and always wins the olympia and there's several bikini girls who claim they're natural on the olympia stage so i don't know it's like john said genetics honestly play a bigger role than anything i think i think genetics are huge and if you have it you got it and and then you add like some hard work dedication nutrition and training on top of it and you can get pretty far. So um, definitely, you know, adding PEDs is, is not a magic pill. It's not going to fix everything for you. Yeah. I don't know if anybody's winning at any stage right now in the Olympia naturally. I don't. I mean, I'll be honest. I don't believe so. However, like we were saying, it, it is your response to the drugs. Like maybe they're winning and not taking that much. It, it could be hit on. And, and for the person listening, that's like, oh, man, I've locked in my training and this is the next step for me. It's like, have you really, have you gotten eight or nine hours of sleep every night for the last six months? Have you not missed a single day in the gym? Have you nailed your diet every single day? And have you trained like there's a gun to everybody's head that you love and they're all going to get their brains blown out. If you don't hit the reps that you need to hit on this set. If you didn't answer hell yes to all of those, it's not your genetics. You just need to work harder. It's not what everybody wants to hear, but it's almost always the truth. Yeah. Anyways, uh, next, more training is better. No, you need your recovery. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I I got somebody that just signed up the other day, and they're like, I love to train. I really want to train seven days a week. And I was like, you can go to the gym seven days a week, but you're not going to train seven days a week. Not in any manner that's 
reasonable. I mean, I, I guess you could do something like if you broke it down to like Monday was biceps, Tuesday was triceps, Wednesday was forearms and calves. You might be able to get in there every day, but it's, it's kind of going to be. That doesn't insane. sound any fun. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, you're training major muscle groups. You're not going to be able to do yeah, it no. really more than twice a week, um, natural or enhanced. Actually, I feel like with enhanced training, a couple things occur. One, you can push harder in the session and your recovery is improved. So you can like just kill your chest on Monday and might not need to train it again until next Monday. Like that's, that's kind of mm-hmm. just how it is. So yeah, more is not better, but let's give a little bit more value here. What would you say if somebody came to you, Brooke, I really want to build muscle. Like how many days a week should I work out? Great question. Cause I had a client ask me this not even two weeks ago. And I said five days a week, uh, you need, at least two days off. Um, because I tell my clients, look, if you can train seven days a week, you're really not training hard enough and producing enough stimulus to, to get growth. And I, like, there's no way I could train the way that I train seven days a week. There's no way I could do it. I like, I, today I'm really sore. I wanted to train. I wanted to hit legs so bad this morning, but I woke up, I, I can just tell I'm fatigued. So I was like, no, nah, I'd rather just go kill it tomorrow. So I took the day off. So I would say five days a week is most optimal. Your muscle grows when you're resting. I think a lot of people also assume that like when you go in the gym and you're working out is when your muscle grows, but it's not, you're tearing down the muscle and then the muscle grows when you're resting and you're sleeping and you're eating. So you've got to make sure that you prioritize your recovery. And, And then that's all about bodybuilding is all bodybuilding is, is really just prioritizing your recovery as much as possible so you can build as much muscle and preserve as much muscle as you can. Yeah. I had a client. They're like, Hey, uh, Friday, I have to work an overnight shift. Like I literally got to work 24 hours straight. Should I, should I do Thursday's workout in the morning on Thursday and Friday's workout Thursday night? And then, and I'm like, you're going to train twice and then be up for 48 hours. No dude. Like probably skip both. There's no point in training if you're not going to eat and sleep and recover after it. So yeah, more is not better. I agree with the five days a week. If you become really advanced, you might even be able to go less. Um, for mm-hmm. me, I've been loving two on, one off. It's like I can push really hard for two days, and then I get a day to take a break. Because when I was in prep, I was doing three on, one off, two on, one off. And by that third day, mm. ugh, I just felt like crap. And even with the rest day after, I still was – I mean, I was in prep, but still, it was not great. Ooh, this is a good one because this is true for me. I didn't do it. Um, squats are bad for your knees. Squats are so good for your knees. <laughs> I think form is a big de- dependent here, but yes, I didn't squat absolutely. when I first started training. Cause my dad was like, squats are bad for your knees. They destroyed my knees. And I was like, didn't you play tackle football in the street? Like as a kid and like bust up your knees like 15 times. He's like, yeah, but right. squats hurt my <laughs> knees. And I was like, Hmm. Yeah, I don't know about that, buddy. But, like, I believed him at first. So I didn't squat for, like, my whole first year of training um, just because I believed that. But, well, why aren't squats bad for your knees? Everybody says they are. Yeah, true. But squats actually are going to strengthen the muscles around your knees, like your quads, for example, which if they if they get too tight um, and they're too weak, you can definitely have some knee issues. Uh, so, I mean, even your hamstrings, I mean, all the muscles around your knees are going to strengthen from, from squats. And that's really what's important. And it's like John said, it's more about your form. And also like, don't, don't try to go hit a PR 
if you're new to uh, weightlifting and, and you do have bad knees, don't try to go squat like 600 pounds like Ronnie Coleman. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So know yourself. Uh, and there's also, you know, if you do have bad knees, knee braces, which I'm not a huge fan of, I feel like they kind of limit my range of motion, but um, it would at least help you if you are having some pain during squats that you could protect your knee, but still build up your strength and really reinforce those muscles there. By knee braces, did you mean knee sleeves or specifically the braces themselves that have like plastic parts to hold things together? Oh no, I mean the ones like kind of like the wrap. I guess wraps, knee wraps is what I what I use. Okay, well I'm gonna jump in and, and share a couple things here. So there's knee sleeves that are made out of like neoprene. Uh, power lifters use them because they take long rest periods in between their sets, so it's a way to keep your knees warm. Probably isn't gonna really add any additional weight to the bar like it's not going to make you stronger but if you do use knee wraps that's a bit more of an advanced technique if your knees are bothering you i wouldn't go with wraps because wraps create additional pressure in the knee joint allowing you to actually lift more weight like i think wraps can add like five or ten percent to your max so if you could squat 700 and you add wraps you might be able to hit 770 but if you're having knee pain wraps aren't going to fix that so um yeah, squats aren't bad for your knees. Are squats necessary? Nope. I didn't do them my first year, and then I did them for like 10 years, and I haven't really done them for like the last five. I just don't squat. I, it takes me too long to warm up. It's too dynamic. There's a greater chance of injury. It just doesn't really serve me on my journey, so it's not as important for me, and my legs are genetically blessed. But squats never really hurt my knees. For me, I, I have like flexibility issues, so like my shoulder would actually hurt. I'm trying to hold the bar back there. But anyways, getting into the weeds again. I have a habit of that. Let's keep it moving. 14, salt is bad for you. Mm, no, salt is so essential. I, I, This is something that really grinds my gears, family guy uh, reference <laughs> there. Uh, when people are like, oh, but it's too much salt. It's too much sodium. Like you should be aware of sodium, of course. Um, but most of the excess sodium that people worry about comes from processed foods and packaged foods, which is stuff that you shouldn't really be consuming a lot of anyways. But if you're a healthy person just trying to stay healthy, there's no really good evidence that following a low sodium diet will create any sort of huge improvement to your health or huge benefit. And um, you can actually, if you develop a deficiency in salt, you can actually um, go into shock, go into coma, <laughs> have all kinds of crazy things happen to you. So, um, salt is, is like one of the most important nutrients, it, arguably. I would agree. It's an essential electrolyte. You can't get a pump without salt. You can't sweat correctly without salt. Back to the whole doing the sauna or the sweating thing. Like it's fine if you want to sweat, but make sure you're getting enough electrolytes, not just water, but also electrolytes, including sodium salt after that. Um, one, I don't know how you enjoy your food without salt. Like, I don't know what's wrong with you. Uh, not you, Brooke, but people in general. Seriously, though. Pro tip. Try this if you haven't done it before. On your next, like, sweet food, add some salt on there. It makes it extra sweet. It's crazy. Salt is like an intensifier of food. People think of it only for savory foods, but it does have a spot with sweet foods. Additionally, I think people really get to extremes. And like you were saying – salt is added to processed packaged food so then people are like oh well processed packaged food is bad for you and it's high in salt so salt must also be bad it's it's not 
I tried a low sodium diet for a while and I was getting headaches and I was getting weaker in the gym and I really didn't put two and two together. My blood pressure actually got really low, like a hundred over 55. Like Mm -hmm. it was weird and I didn't know what was going on. And then after like two weeks, I was like, okay, I guess I'm done with my low salt diet. I'll, I'll start salting my foods again. And like that day I was back to being as strong as I was before. I was like, Oh, now I see. And I've anecdotally had a few clients tell me they did the same thing. Like before coming to me, they were doing a low sodium diet and they, said that it just it, it messed with them so yeah drink your water and salt your foods that's like literally the first thing i send over to clients it's like <laughs> i don't know it's it's to me it's a no-brainer i've tried it the other way it did not work number 15 you should stretch before your workout i always stretch after a workout <laughs> after why do you stretch after Uh, Well, I mean, a lot of research has shown that it can actually increase your risk of injury if you stretch before a workout. And it's really important to stretch when you're warm. Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's the most important thing. Um, And not only that, but stretching after the workout is what really helps break up your lactic acid, which, uh, you know, is, is, I guess, an easy way to describe it is like, lactic acid builds up when you get that burning sensation, like Mm -hmm. when you're doing a bunch of, you know, uh, leg extensions and your quads are burning. That's lactic acid. And it just sits there and stretching really helps break that up. So I think it's most optimal and research has shown it's most optimal to stretch after a workout. Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, you stretch too much before you might open up a range of motion or a pathway that your body's not physically able to support. Like if you don't have that depth for a squat, but you can force yourself to a stretch and then you try and do it with weight and you're going to hurt yourself. So don't stretch before. What I would recommend before is some sort of warm up. It could be on like a bike or something like that. But also for me, I just love to get on the machine and do a bunch of reps. Like put the weight really light. Not even really count it, but just until everything feels good. Um, and then, yeah, I stretch after my workout every time because I'm a great person that does what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> I always stretch after my workouts. That's why I'm super flexible. Um, I, I should stretch more. But. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely after, not before. Um, 16. We're just rolling through these. This is a good episode. I, I think this, this could Lots be Lots of value. Anybody that's like wanting to get started in the gym, because I probably believed about 10 or 12 of these before I even touched mm-hmm. the weight for the first time. Same. Yeah, you guys, count this up. Put your number. How many of these did you believe? How many myths here tricked you before you got started? So 16, you should start with squat, bench, and deadlift if you're a beginner in the gym. I know. I saw you put that on here, and I've never heard of this for beginners, but immediately my initial thought was, that's so stupid. Why would you give the three hardest lifts to a beginner? And there's just there's no accessory movements. Like, I, I don't know. So I've, I've never seen that, but I guess it could be very popular with, like, power lifters and – uh, especially maybe more so guys uh, yeah. wanting to get started with weight training. Everybody wants a big bench. I mean, come on now. Um, yeah. But I think where it probably originated, at least in, in my life, I am a little bit older than you. And I also did some high school sports. And like the high school, there was a weightlifting team where they did also like clean and jerks and power cleans. But also it might be a Florida thing because those were the Florida lifts. It was like they competed in clean and jerk and bench press. But anyways, the, the majority of the programming was around squat, benching and deadlifting. 
if you go on Reddit, uh, I know like the strong lifts five by five is really popular. And that's basically running through squats, benches, and deadlifts with five sets of five reps, I believe, or like five, three, one, like other things. And I guess that is powerlifting, but they're, they're scheduled as beginner things and they're advocated for beginners. Now, I guess if your journey is a power lifter and you already know that at the beginning, then yes, you need to start those as soon as possible. But if you're not a power lifter, if your one rep max on squat bench and dead is not the most important thing in the world to you, I wouldn't start with them. The learning curve is huge. It's almost yeah. like how many times do you think Tiger Woods has perfected his golf swing? Well, he's probably, I don't know if he's the best example, but he's probably still working on it now. And it's no different with a power lifter that's squatting, benching, or deadlifting. Technique is huge. And they spend tons of time perfecting those lifts because they're so technical. You'd be, in my opinion, better off instead of squatting, do a leg press or a hack squat. Instead of barbell benching, do a machine bench press, maybe a dumbbell bench press, maybe a Smith bench press. And instead of a deadlift, there's a lot of different options there. Deadlifts are just really taxing. Just to throw something out there, I don't know, maybe a rack pull. I don't know. And, but anyways, the, you can go ahead and like throw a beginner on a leg press. And as long as like the range of motion is safe and they're not going to like squi squish themselves, they can pretty much go to failure day one. Like you can actually push them day one, whereas squatting their balance is going to be off. It's just, it's a much longer road to get to where you want to get. And typically as a coach, I think, how can we make this road as short and effective and fun as possible in that order? I think that's all I got there. Do we got more? Good. No, I, I think that was good. Yeah. Okay. 17. This is getting a little into bodybuilding, but everybody knows this. Everybody knows that you got to cut your water before your show. Yeah, to me, this never made sense uh, because it's it, – why would you change – if everything's going perfectly, assumed, right? Like you're you're looking good coming into your show. Why would you do this crazy, dramatic water cut and completely change your look? Um, my coach had me do this both times before my bodybuilding shows, and I can tell you <laughs> – I have pictures to prove it. I looked way better – one week out each time I competed. Uh, and, you know, honestly, like I've heard of some people being put in the hospital because of some of these water cuts, it gets intense. Water, believe it or not, is an essential thing that you need to live. Uh, but bodybuilding is not about health. So some people don't care. Um, you know, I want, you know, I care about my clients, so I don't want to kill anybody. I think probably a lot of the people going to the hospital are on diuretics as well. Mm -hmm. When you get to extreme levels of bodybuilding in untested shows, so non-natural bodybuilding, diuretics are pretty common. Admittedly, I used a little bit at my last show, first time ever. But we didn't really cut water. We pulled back on water, but it wasn't like a cut. Like I was still having six to eight ounces of water every two hours. Like, And the day before, I think I had a gallon and like the whole week before I was at like two gallons. So like it was like a single day where the water got dropped. But like you got people, most shows are Saturday and you got people saying, I'm cutting water Wednesday night. And it's like, the hell? Back to your suitcase analogy. Yep. Your muscles are like a suitcase. You can fill them up with clothes. That would be the carbohydrates and make that suitcase baggy. And then I guess you could also fill up the suitcase with bottles of water. And that would also make it fill out more. And if you 
if you have no water before your show, you're going to be really stringy and flat and not look your best. So it depends. Get a good coach that knows you and your body to figure it out. But if you're going to compete and your coach says no water starting Wednesday night, I'd really go take a look at their track record and their athletes and see if that's the best call. It's probably a little too late then, but maybe like check those things before. Uh, I know some guys, he's retired now, but Ian Vaire didn't change his water at all. Didn't add any diuretics. He just kind of held that look the last week and he was a very accomplished pro bodybuilder, uh, Olympian. So yeah, it's very common. Um, I know my coach David and he coaches plenty of Olympians. He always says that, um, you know, you, you shouldn't do these crazy water cuts. You should come into a show ready with your look. Um, and I mean, the other thing with, with pulling water is you can't always control where you pull your water from. And like you said, you need it in your muscles to look full. So yeah. I think people try to go for that, uh, you know, in that water that's just under your skin. They want you to look really dry, but you can't really tell the body where to pull that water from. So you just have to be really careful. So it's, you know, it's, it's tricky business. You have to really know what you're doing. Yeah, but I got on stage and I didn't look right. I didn't look lean because I was holding water. Sorry, buddy. Not trying to hurt your feelings. You were just fat. You're <laughs> yeah, you probably you probably didn't get truly stage lean. Yeah. Um, I put this one because I feel like it needs to be said. For those listening still, we both put this list together. It wasn't something we like agreed on every item. Like we both just threw different items in. But I threw this one in there. You get enough D3 in the sun. You get enough vitamin D3 if you're out in the sun. If you're working in the sun, you live in Florida, you get enough vitamin D3. You don't need to um, supplement it. What do you think about that on your end? Well, it's not necessarily about how much you get. It's about the conversion of the D3. Okay. Right. So um, I, mean, I, always, I always supplement D3 uh, with K2 makes it more bioavailable. So, I mean, I'm also not out in the sun a lot, but um, even so, I, I think it's important uh, just because it doesn't necessarily mean you're converting it properly. Good. That's actually a little bit more of the sciencey side. Yes, exactly. So there's some things that impact the conversion rate. If you are African-American or have very dark skin, your ability to absorb D3 from the sun decreases. Conversely, let's say you're Irish and you're super pale. Well, you might be able to convert the D3 pretty well. But what happens when you go spend two hours in the Florida sun? You turn into a tomato and then you get skin cancer. So you're still not really doing yourself any favors. It's really, 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 I don't know. I've not seen it. I've probably had 100 clients send me their blood work. And I've not had a single client come back in the reference range that I want them to be at, or even like the healthy range of vitamin D3, unless they were supplementing. You just don't like, and this is including like guys that work in the sun for a living. They're just, you're not getting it. So Brooke made a great point that I didn't even put in here. Vitamin D3, when you take it as a supplement, it needs to be taken with fat to be absorbed. So take it with a meal and then to absorb it even better, take it with K2. If you're a guy or girl that's listening that uses any sort of anabolics, Definitely take the K2. It helps decalcify your arteries, helps prevent heart attacks. So great health supplements. I literally, second page of for any of my clients that have signed up, that's the first supplement, D3 and K2. On the first page, you got your water and your salt. Second page, your D3 and your K2. Really basic health right here. You need to take a 
big, this is 19, a big dose of melatonin to help you sleep. One is good. 20 is better. Mm. No, I remember being in college and I remember my professor saying that melatonin is kind of a double-edged sword because it can prevent you from producing your own melatonin. So you have to be really careful with overdosing it. And a lot of people do that. And a lot of supplement companies do that too. So you have to be very careful with melatonin because uh, it can make your sleep issues worse and it can make you dependent on it. Yeah, 100%. I've heard some good things about like super dosing melatonin because it can help with like oxidative stress. And now I'm not a scientist, so I don't really know what that means. But like, I guess it can like have some healing properties if you take a certain amount. But for sleeping, which is what most people think of melatonin for, you might go to your Walgreens or Publix or wherever you live and go to the store and see that they have one milligram. Be like, oh, there's one, there's three, there's five, there's ten. Let me take ten. Ten is going to mess up your sleep. Five, three, and even one are probably going to mess up your sleep. One milligram. One milligram? Is it milligrams? It's in milligrams, right? Major brain fog. I believe so. Yeah. So that's it. I just read a study last night. That's why I was getting confused. It said three to 400 micrograms was a good dosage. So there's a thousand micrograms in a single milligram. So if you break your one milligram capsule in half or tablet in half, it'll still be a little bit above what research says is the best dosage. So if you can go to the store and get a pill cutter, get the milligram tablets, cut them into three or four equal size pieces, That'll give you what the studies were done on for melatonin that actually help with your sleep. So if you're not doing that, you're probably getting way too much. So yeah, that was 19 melatonin. And then Brooke dropped this one. Last one. Technically we gave you an extra one, 21, but 20 Stairmaster builds your legs. Ladies, you want some glutes? You want some quads? Get your butt on the stair climber. Spend hours on there, right? Uh, no, don't do it. I mean, the Stairmaster is great for like, you know, burning an insane amount of calories in a short amount of time. It's very efficient for that, but it's not going to build your legs. If you need to build your legs, you need to hit the weights. In fact, I lost a ton of muscle during the, doing the Stairmaster for a year. Um, and my coach, David now, I mean, he told me straight up, no Stairmaster. It's going to kill your legs. All it's going to do is going to burn the muscle off you. And, uh, you know, you don't want to lose the muscle that you've worked so hard for. So I know a lot of women love the Stairmaster. Uh, you can get kind of like a little pump from it, but you know, going and doing the Stairmaster for an hour is not, is not going to grow your legs. Once again, progressive overload over everything and nutrition. There you go. Like literally it like, yeah, you get a little pump from it, but actually I would get a pretty decent pump, but I'm a bigger guy. So like I have more weight to move. Same thing in my prep in 2021, I definitely feel like I lost a little bit of my leg size because we were doing almost an hour down the stairs. And like, for me, that's for a big individual. That's, that's a lot. Um, you want to build your legs, go lift some weights. Stair, Stairmaster is not bad. Um, you just got to be careful. I think with recovery from it, if, if you're training three days a week and stair mastering two other days, you're going to be just fine. So, yeah, good point. All right. Well, we gave them a bonus one. We've hit the 20. Dang. That was a lot a of information. Yeah. I know. All for free. Y'all didn't even have to do anything, but you could. 
Share it again. <laughs> Share it to those people again because they might not have gotten it an hour ago. Share it again. And um, I do. I'm curious. Yeah, y'all leave some comments below. How many? How many of these did you believe? Actually, do you want to count it? Do you have it in front of you or no? Yeah, I have it up. Count it and see how many you believe before you started working out or would have believed if you can put yourself in that headspace. I would say at least 10 of these. I'm still counting. I'm at six, seven. I absolutely thought carbs were evil. <laughs> I absolutely thought steroids were magic pills. <laughs> I thought my <laughs> first cycle, I just did a YouTube video on this. I thought my first cycle, I was just going to look like the dude on like the magazine covers, like damn near a weekend. And like, oh my God, it was like the most underwhelming thing ever. Like my <laughs> expectations were so high. And what actually happened was I made some like progress almost like when I first started working out, you know, like, I mean, I, I, people could, people could be like, oh yeah, you bulked again. But like, it wasn't like, oh my God, dude, did you take steroids? You're fucking huge. I was like, damn it. That is right. hilarious. Um, I mean, I think I told you, I don't know if I told you, did I talk about this? I don't remember if I talked, I'm going to say it again. Cause it's worth saying I matched with this. I think I said it on the live. I matched with this girl on like Facebook dating and she's like, Oh, I see you're a bodybuilder. I was like, and she's like, but I'm not. And I'm like, yeah, I am. It's, it's not for everybody. And she's like, Oh, and you're vegan. I was like, yeah. And she's like, well, do you really struggle to get your protein? And I was like, do I look like I struggle? <laughs> that was my literal reply. Do I look like I struggle? I don't, I don't know how big I have to get for people to think that I use gear or for people to think that I get enough protein, but clearly I'm not there yet. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. I didn't reply after that. I was done. I, I, I was, know. I'm like, how could you possibly even reply to that <laughs> damn all right well i'm struggling I'm, I'm 17 years protein deficient clearly struggling i definitely <laughs> thought squats were bad for your knees because my me dad would, would, would tell me that all the time like he'd be like you're going to the gym don't squat oh, i should have put that on there that creatine is the devil too because he told me don't take <sighs> creatine even when my yeah. nutritionist at 15 said yeah creatine's safe he's like you got a cold last week you still taking creatine damn, yeah i'm taking you don't even know but yep it's the creatine <laughs> uh definitely uh for me feeling sore after a workout i always yep. was trying to chase the soreness and just doing crazy shit and believe it or not when i first started like like total newbie um lifting heavier weights will make you bulky i i was a little bit worried about that and i had this really shitty boyfriend at the time who was like man, you're getting some shoulders. You look like a linebacker. And then I kind of like got a little insecure about it, even though like in my wildest dream, I wasn't even close. <laughs> so, um, yeah, a lot of these, and I mean, I, I used to wear the little sweat belts, uh, that sweet sweat stuff and try to, I didn't uh, want to call them out, but that's the exact same <laughs> one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely guilty here. I've, I've definitely committed a few of these. I thought I did think salt was bad for you. I mean, I did like a two week period of like no salt. I was like on this vegan website. That's like you eat celery and you'll be okay. And I'm like, all right, I'm doing it, dude. Like I'm going to be the natural human. Yeah. I don't know. And then uh, the same with the D3. I thought if I spent enough time in the sun, I'd get plenty of D3 blood work proved me clearly wrong. Even when I was tanning like three to four days a week, 
it wasn't enough. It was I, even even tanning with like low supplementation of D3, and I came back low. I've had to really push it high in both myself and my clients to get up into a range. And it can take six months. Like it's, mm. it's a lot. So yeah, this is this is some solid advice. I'm proud of this one. This is me too. This, this is something really good. I wish I could have listened to like the first week I started at the gym. I'd be like light years ahead. Um, all right. Same. What uh, what do we got going on going forward? Uh, we got some awesome guests coming up. Yeah. This month and next okay. month. All right. That'll be fun. Our, That'll be great. I don't know when these are coming out, but our last one was fun. I enjoyed that. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Should we make it a goal to make our guests cry every episode? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. I'm a little proud of that, to be honest with you. Working with Sean and Vegans Explore and Brooke, I've wanted to work with Brooke forever for multiple reasons. One, like her reach, her heart. That's multiple reasons. Anyways, it's it's been fun to collaborate with another vegan that thinks like me and has a similar heart as me and and in the same space as me. But I've been I've been on my own. I'm talking a lot. I haven't done any mushrooms today either. Anyways, uh, <laughs> on my own journey, I didn't know really where I wanted to go long term, but I, I did want to focus more on activism. And Robert is promoting his new book, The Impactful Vegan, and and seeing ways that I can be more like him and and change the world. Like I know he used bodybuilding as kind of his springboard to get out there. People know him because he was a vegan bodybuilder, and so. I want to do the same. I want to follow in his footsteps and have a, a really big impact. So it meant a lot to me to have him on here. And it also kind of clarified where I need to go for my journey. So that's my spiel on Robert. Yeah, it was a great episode. It was, it was, uh, it was cool to see a different side of him and also just to dig into some things that are deeper than just, you know, his book and veganism and bodybuilding. We, we talked about mental health and all kinds of really deep uh, topics, which was, interesting so yeah i mean more to come we've got some really great guests coming up and um i think you know we'll we'll just keep providing value for people and helping people with their journeys y'all can send us some voice notes tell us what you want to see what you want to hear uh what colors i should wear next week um yeah well i cannot wait to do it sean we're gonna have to we're gonna have to schedule this sometime soon because i'm getting the itch brooke and i are gonna buy like a five thousand piece lego set and set up a live podcast where we just ramble and talk about random shit. Maybe we can have it as a live too, so we can get some active questions. John, have you done a Lego set that big? No, okay, <laughs> this is me. Because like, because you I, keep talking about this, and I'm like, I, I don't. I think he's like really underestimating how long it's gonna take us to do that, and like the concentration. Like, we're not gonna be able to ramble. <laughs> okay, well, it's it's like it's harder than you think it is, but. But we could do it. We could do it in like sections. Okay. I mean, I did just challenge the seventh best eater in the world to a pizza eating contest and he destroyed me. So I'm, I'm confident that I can bite off more than I can chew uh, literally and figuratively. And this might be one of those things, but it looks like a lot of fun. I mean, maybe, maybe it takes us, we'll do it on a rest day. Maybe it takes 12 hours. I don't um, know. Right, maybe not a podcast. AT&T but... will probably take like 40 fuck all right yeah because it took me a month to do my hogwarts castle and i did about an hour to two hours a day all right guys if you want to come build <laughs> us a lego set we'll get like 10 of you and we can knock it out in four hours um well 
I don't know. We'll, okay, we'll, we'll figure this out. But Maybe we get a small one. We can get like a 3,000 set. But I really want the AT-AT. Like, yeah. I really, I really. I think, that, I think that's the biggest one. That's why I want it. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Um, I also picked up rollerblading this week. I'll have to talk about this more another time because I know we're running. We're, we're running. We've ran over. We've ran over. I think that's the first time. Wow. Yeah. Almost at two hours. You know, we but I'm, I'm enjoying it. We, I hope somebody's still listening. If you're still listening, let us know. You're the real MVP. <laughs> yeah, the one of you. Uh, no, who am I kidding? There's probably thousands of y'all listening. Y'all are awesome. Okay. Um, I think that's it. I brought us on. Brooke, you want to take us off? Yeah, sure. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. Uh, we hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. And uh, make sure that you give us a rating. Give us a comment. Let us know what myths you're about to break. And we'll see you guys next time on Vegan 2 Lift. Don't forget to subscribe on all the places. Spotify, iTunes, Apple, everything. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm done. Okay. <laughs> Have the best day ever. Be the or, change. We'll see you. Be the change. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Vegans Who Lift podcast, part of the Vegans Explore Network. For show notes and information on how to leave feedback or ask questions, go to veganswholiftpodcast.com or email contact at veganswholiftpodcast.com. Today's episode was executive produced and edited by Sean Russell. For more information on the Vegans Explore Network, visit vegansexplore.com.